That's right, Phantomaniacs. This is the last episode of the Needless Things podcast where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery before Dragon Con, which starts tomorrow. I'm your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I'm posting this on Wednesday instead of Friday because we got to get it done, people. This is it. This is the last call. You better be packed. You better have your shopping list together. You better have your booze cooled. You better have your travel plans together. You better have your playlist ready in your iPod or your cellular telephone or on your tape recorder that you sit on the dash of your car and hope that it doesn't get too hot and melt the film between the real to real things. Yes, I know tape recorders don't use films, but quiet. I'm excited because it's almost time. Now, obviously, if you have not yet ordered your Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show t-shirts, it is too late for you to get them in time for Dragon Con. Now, obviously, you're still welcome to order them through the end of the day today. Tonight, orders are going to close. Needlessthings.storeenvy.com is going to close down because I'm taking all of the shirts that haven't sold to Dragon Con. Now, here's an important thing. I am not permitted by the Dragon Con Poobahs to advertise the sales of merchandise during my panels. It's it's not a bad thing. It's not them, you know, doing anything wrong. It has to do with uh, the vendors that are there and just the way things have to work at a massive convention of this size. There have to be rules. However, if you come up to me at DragonCon as a listener of the Needless Things podcast and you want merchandise, I can tell you how to get that merchandise. Do you, do you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Do you understand what I'm saying? If you come up to me, if you see Phantom Troublemaker's big green and purple mask or silver and purple mask or leopard and purple mask, you guys know the mask. If you see a big giant tattooed guy with a luchador mask, it's probably me. And I'll tell you, it feels kind of good to know uh, that there's a good chance I'm the only guy at Dragon Con that looks like me. Like, I kind of dig that. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Stormtrooper armor. I would love to have the uniform from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Those are, those are some of my dream costumes. But uh, And I would totally wear them to Dragon Con if I had them. But I don't, so I'm Phantom Troublemaker, and I'm me. I'm the only me there is. So walk up to Phantom Troublemaker and say, Phantom, I would like to have a Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show t-shirt. Or Phantom, I would like to have one of those gorgeous enamel pens or fancy buttons from garbage humans hook me up it's the marriott carpet i gotta have one bro and i'll be like all right zach Ryder and mojo raleigh settle down i can take care of you with a t-shirt i can take care of you with pens and buttons just walk up 
say, what's up, Phantom? I need some merch, and we will take care of it. That's all I'm saying. During the panels, I can't say, hey, I've got T-shirts to sell. I've got buttons from garbage humans to sell. Let me tell you about belligerentmonkey.com. I can't say any of that. But if you just walk up to me and we're one individual talking to another individual, I can say whatever I want. So just keep that in mind. And do, please, come out really quick. I'm going to run them down again, and then we're going to get straight into my interview with Derek Tatum, the director of the Horror Track, who is a great guy and who I absolutely love for making me part of his programming this year. Uh, I'm just, I'm always excited to be expanding at Dragon Con and to feel like I'm becoming one with Con. Uh, but really quick, I'm going to run down my schedule one last time for you guys, but look up Phantom Troublemaker under speakers in the Dragon Con app, and you can find everything that I'm doing. Uh, Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m., Hyatt Centennial Ballroom, DCW. I'm the announcer. It's the best wrestling show of the year. Go to it. Friday, 4 o'clock p.m. Toy Stories. Needless Things presents Toy Stories. Bring a toy. Bring your story. We will talk to you. Friday, 7 p.m. Oh, Toy Stories is in the Marriott M103 through 105. Uh, Friday at 7 p.m., The Shining versus The Shining, which we'll talk about a little bit on this very episode. Uh, we're going to talk about The Shining, obviously. That is in the Peachtree 1 and 2 in the Westin. My first time performing in the Westin. I'm very excited because that's a classy fucking hotel. Oops. Uh, yeah, it is, though. It is. Uh, Saturday morning at 11.30, also in the Westin, Peachtree 1 and 2. It's going to be parents, ra uh, horror fans raising kids. And I'm very excited about this one. Uh, again, we talk about it during the show. It's another one on the horror track, and I'm stoked about it. Saturday night, 10 p.m., Hyatt Regency 5 Ballroom, Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show 2016, the biggest ever, the best ever, the dirtiest ever. You're going to come, and you're going to have the best time of anything that you have at Dragon Con. I A1 guarantee it. Sunday, 2.30 p.m., in the afternoon, G.I. Joe, History of the Hero, Larry Hama is on this panel, and I promise you he will do the most talking. Uh, Sunday. Did I say Saturday? So that's Sunday at 2.30. Uh, Sunday at 5.30, Psy Fighters 2016. Last year we did G.I. Joe versus Masters of the Universe. This year we're doing rock and wrestling versus 80s action heroes. It's incredible the electricity of the room last year and let me tell you not a ton of people the 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 room was maybe half full we need to pack this thing out because this panel is crazy as shit you guys are going to have so much fun if you show up for this thing i guarantee it 8 30 on sunday big trouble in little china 30th anniversary panel you know it's my favorite movie of all time so come out that one's going to be a lot of fun now there are two more things i've got to plug that i'm not part of but I'm going to put them out there because I feel like they're important and exciting things. Obviously, Sunday at midnight, you know I'm going to be at the Puppet Slam. Uh, you absolutely have to go to the Puppet Slam if you haven't. Or if you have, uh, go. Just go to the Puppet Slam. This year, it's in um, the the W, the Westin, which is weird uh, and new. But it's a much larger ballroom. It is a nice, nice ballroom and Joshua Holden's back. 
Go back to our first Dragon Con episode, listen to my interview with Joshua Holden, and tell me you don't want to see this guy perform live. Puppet Slam. Awesome. And then finally, the last thing that I'm going to plug that I'm not part of, but I love it, uh, September 2nd, Friday night at 10 p.m. in the Marriott A703 Secret Show. Up past bedtime with Bean and Bear. Bean and Bear, uh, I am in love with Bean and Bear. They're incredible, and they're, they are a performance. It transcends puppetry. Uh, they're just, they're, they're pure delight, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Uh, wear your pajamas. Wear your pajamas and uh, bring your secret booze flasks. I didn't tell you that. All right, guys, that's it. I've got packing to do. I've got to put together the prize packs for the game show i gotta get out of here so i'm gonna play a little bit of music and then we are gonna talk to mr Derek tatum who is awesome All right, Phantomaniacs, our Dragon Con coverage is continuing, and today I have the honor of the director of the horror track, Mr. Derek Tatum, appearing on the Needless Things podcast to talk about horror, his history with Dragon Con, and what's happening this year with the horror track at Dragon Con, which I am proud to be part of in 2016. Derek, welcome to the Needless Things podcast. Oh, thanks for uh, having me on. Absolutely, man. I, I'm thrilled that you're on. I'm thrilled to be doing some horror stuff because horror is one of my great passions. And, uh, you know, I've been looking to, to kind of expand a little bit and get around Dragon Con a little bit more. And the horror track is, is definitely my A number one. Like, oh, this is another thing I'd like to do. And, and you've got me set up on some good panels, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to talk about, uh, your history with Dragon Con. What, well, like, what was your first year? Uh, why did you go? Well, I want to say that it was 1996 or 1997 um, that I went. A friend of mine who was a uh, director at the time uh, encouraged me to check it out. Now, um, how long have you been going? That's uh, actually right around – I know I went one year when I was in high school. Uh, okay. pro- probably 93 or 94. Um, I-, I can't remember the exact year and really it was my mom dropped me and a friend of mine off. And I think we pretty much just hit the dealer's room and that was it. Cause we didn't know what else was going on. The first year that I went and actually experienced it in a dragon con way was, I think it was 97. It was the year that Misfits and Guar both played. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, I know I saw both of those yeah. uh, acts. I don't remember if that was the first year or, or not, but yeah. Yeah, so it was, it, it was around that time, and it was... That was when I was like, oh, this this is a, this is a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny, too. I mean, it's baffling to people who've only been coming for the past uh, few years. But I remember when I could call up the Hyatt like a week before and still get a room and there wasn't any kind of problem. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. See, I, I didn't start staying down there until I think 2008. I got a room just for Saturday night. Uh, that was when I started thinking like, man, it sure would be nice to just 
be down here. Uh, and, and I think even at that point, maybe a month or month or two out, I think I might have, I've gotten the room. And then the next year, I had a little bit of a scare because I didn't realize you needed to start doing it. That like 2009, maybe, is when it really got to the point where you had to do it right after the, you know, that year's con for the next year. Yeah, I, I, I forgot when it started myself, but that sounds about right. I, um, uh... But, you know, it was uh, it was kind of a shock when that started happening, though, that's for certain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's I feel like it's growing exponentially more every single year. But oh, back yeah. in 96 or 97, when you first started going, uh, what did you you know, you said you had a friend that was a director at the time. So you probably had a pretty good idea of what it was about. But as uh as we've said on other shows, until you're down at Dragon Con, you really don't know. So what was your reaction being in it? Well, it was kind of like yours, actually, because I spent most of the time in the dealer's room. Um, now, early on, I would make a point of hitting any horror-themed um, programming that I saw. And, and there wasn't really a whole lot at the time. Um, but if they had a panel about like horror fiction, uh, or if they had an actor, for example, uh, I remember, uh, one of those early years I went, uh, D Snyder was there, you yeah, know, uh, yeah. John Carpenter was there. He was, there. uh, D Snyder, I think was there for strange land. Yeah, absolutely. And John Carpenter that man, I hate it. You brought that up. I am kicking myself to this day because I was down there, and I think uh, Bill Mosley and uh, Sid Haig were down there for House of a Thousand Corpses as well. Hmm. If, they, if I'm trying to think if that's the right time frame. It may not be. No, that's much, much later. Okay, yeah, that's so, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. This, this, was, this was 97 or whatever, what we were talking about before. Um, but yeah, uh, John Carpenter was down there. And the line was insane by my standards then, not by my standards now. <laughs> you know, now line insane is around the building. Oh, yeah. Back then, yeah. insane line was like 50 people. And I was like, ah, that's a lot of people. I'll come back later. And, you know, you never do that. Yeah. Now, I, I do remember standing in line for uh, Clive Barker. That, that, he was actually a major reason I went uh, one of those early years. So mm -hmm. it's the only time I've met Clive Barker, actually. But, uh, but yeah, I, I remember it's funny because at the time I was like, wow, this is big and a lot of people are, are here. And uh, now, you know, it's like. It's well, and it's funny because I think back to those days when you had the vendors and the guests all in the same spot and had plenty of room to breathe and walk around. There was no press of flesh. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember those days very well. The uh, Walk of Fame, and uh, I, I, I even seem to remember like they had people kind of out and. Uh, I don't want to say the hallways, because, but it was, it, it, I mean, it, it wasn't, it, th things were a lot, the layout was a lot different then. It seemed more like a 
almost like a marketplace kind of feel yeah. in some ways, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was uh, it was very much almost like a renaissance fair or something where you kind of just walk around booth to booth and one one might be an artist, one might be somebody selling bootleg VHS tapes and one might be an actor. <laughs> well, uh but it was uh yeah, even you know, I I I still love the convention. Uh you know, it's uh but I still uh look very fondly back on those days during the 90s. Um those were th- those were really cool times, I have to say. So how did you get from being just a guy going to Dragon Con and having fun to actually direct it? Well, how long have you been the director of the horror track? Uh since 2005. Oh, wow. Ten well, years. Well, actually, it hasn't always been the horror track, though. That, that's oh, okay, okay. Um, basically, back in uh, 2005, um, I was actually driving to work, and uh, Pat Henry, who was the uh, chairman at the time, mm-hmm. uh, called me up. And uh, they had a uh, what was at the time the uh, goth track, uh, Gothic Journeys is what I think it was originally called. Back in 2005, I was uh, driving to work, and Pat Henry, who was the chairman at the time, uh, called me up and asked me if I would like to uh, take over the operations for it. I think he might have wanted me to take over because he knew that I was going to start pushing it into more of a horror direction. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I was like, well, do I really want to do this? Because if I go, then that's going to consume my time. Right. But then immediately i thought well the programming that i tend to watch at dragon con is the stuff that i would de facto be in charge of so sure you know and uh, i the rest is history uh, now uh i guess is back about 2008 uh we formally changed from the horror track to what we were calling the dark fantasy track. Mm-hmm. Um, now, dark fantasy is a term that I personally like, but it turns out that there was a lot of blowback from fans on it. Uh, that seems to be a kind of a loaded term. Uh, some people like it, but they can't really decide on what dark fantasy is. Some people think it's kind of an attempt to apologize for horror, like you're trying to come up with a nice little buzzword to oh, play horror, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Which, it, which was never my intent. Because to me, when I think dark fantasy, I think of a, a kind of a specific kind of horror, I guess, um, and also things like you know Tim Burton's early work and sure, uh, sure, you know Neil Gaiman's work, stuff like that. But that's how I always saw it. But um, you know, other people didn't, and. Eventually, the track just became too unwieldy because we were covering not only what horror guests they were bringing in, but we still had, you know, the goth element from the earlier years. And this was around the time that uh, the urban fantasy genre was starting to coalesce, you know. And, uh, well, modern urban fantasy, I guess, uh, would be a better way of putting it. Um, So we... um, and we we included all of those things, and early on, we could fair we could somewhat comfortably have it under one umbrella. But eventually, each of those things 
grew in their own ways. And on top of that, there was so much confusion over what the track was. I mean, there were years where I, even my volunteers didn't know what the track was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, eventually in 2013, uh, my request to split the track was granted. And we were split off into the horror track and the urban fantasy track. Urban fantasy track is headed up by my one-time volunteer, uh, Carol Malcolm, now. So I still see us as a very uh, brother-sister relationship. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, urban fantasy, it's often like splitting hairs from horror. But, uh, you know, that's actually true of many of the tracks at Dragon Con. But me and Carol get along well. We don't argue a whole lot. (laughs) <laughs> about what goes where right right um and so but th- that is the long-winded way of how the horror track came to be at dragon con yes it, it, yes folks there was actually a goth track first <laughs> so. well and that's interesting to me because as uh, one of the things that fascinates me so much about dragon con and the way that it operates is how it's evolved over the years how the tracks have grown and divided and changed over the years because it seems to me that the powers that be are very good at sort of recognizing what fandom wants and recognizing when a certain subject matter, there's either so much of it that you've got to branch it off or a splinter of it has become its own thing to the point where it can sustain its own track. It's kind of like right. we were talking about on the Sci-Fi Classics episode where, you know, now we have essentially there's Sci-Fi Classics encompasses too much really. And horror, I'm sure is the same way where when you're looking at dark fantasy and I I totally do love that term because I feel like it does incorporate uh, you know, everything from Leatherface to Hellraiser to Tim Burton's work to, to Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, it, it is a very broad term, but as you said, it's almost too broad, and that's where urban fantasy and horror splitting up comes into play, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, I, the last year of Dark Fantasy, people were asking me if we were covering Game of Thrones at that point. You know, I mean, that just kind of goes to show how, 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 that term means different things to different people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, it was like, and that is definitely uh... part of, uh, that is part of the assignment of names, I guess, is the bigger dragon con gets and the more people it's attracting, uh, the more <clears throat> digestible the track names have to be to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. Well, that was actually what I I pointed out uh, when I asked for the split. I I said, you know, can we – I just want to call this the horror track because if you say horror to people, they're already in the general ballpark. I mean, it might not always be the stuff I personally am into, but at least they're going to be – they're going to have a general idea as to what we're going to cover. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean – you do have to simplify things. I, that is one of the uh, lessons that I've learned over the years. So, uh, well, and let's speaking of the things that you're personally into, let's talk about that a little bit because I was very interested in, in talking to you early on when we first started sort of chatting about a Dragon Con. Uh, 
you did mention your your literary preference and and obvious just just from talking with you your your movie chops are solid but you you definitely have a literary bent it seems to me which i really like because I, and and this this is something I say with a bit of shame. I used to be a much more well-read person than I am now. Same here. <laughs> and like, you know, life has a way of taking your time away from you. Uh, but I, I you you definitely uh, ha- have literary roots. What 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 are your preferences in that field? I guess. Well, you know, I, I've noticed that. Um, I actually do somewhat consider myself to come from a more literary background. Um, but I've noticed that I tend to favor aesthetics across medium mediums, if that makes sense. Like I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, Gothic horror. Um, you know, but, um, I'm a big fan of, and, and, but that's not just literature. I like, you know, hammer films. I have a, a taste for, you know, uh, contemporary Gothic. Well, well, I say contemporary, but even that's showing our age. Uh, oh you know, no, uh, I know. Stoker, or Coppola's Dracula is not is not modern anymore. I know, but, I know exactly but, what you mean. But, but you know, <laughs> child of the eighties and nineties. What can I say? Um, but uh, now that's the kind of stuff that I like. Um, I like what I sometimes refer to as highfalutin stuff (laughs) yeah yeah. you know i'm a i'm a huge fan of uh um things like uh the hunger um the um uh 80 the i think it's 1982 uh paul schrader's cat people remake yeah um you know i loved hannibal the tv series Uh uh-huh you know that that that's actually kind of my uh kubrick's a shining which I like in addition to actually liking the novel, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a moment. Oh, I'm very <laughs> excited. And I don't, I don't want to get too, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm just champing at the bit to talk about The Shining, but we can't give too much away on the show. So nah. we'll, we'll save it for the panel. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. And, and actually, while, since you brought it up, I do want to thank you for putting me on that panel because, uh, I have gotten so much out of, uh, studying up and doing research for this thing, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. You're right. So you said highfalutin and I love that because that is the sense that I've gotten it. Cause I, when you talk about Hannibal, the TV show, uh, when you talk about the hunger, uh, when you talk about cat people, that's the stuff that I do love and I do have an appreciation for. But for me, I think pop, Pop horror, easily digestible horror, is my my comfort and my wheelhouse. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, you know the the stuff that everybody knows. And I do love the highfalutin stuff as well. But it's that thing where like I have to be in the mood for that. Yeah, and and a lot of people do. It, it's funny because in a way I've kind of gone. I've been coming back to a to the. Um, oh, what a lot of people will just deem as 80s horror, <laughs> you know, that yeah, certain yeah. vibe, you know, that whole uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt uh, vibe, you know, um, even, even though obviously uh, it's not the uh, right time period for t- Tales from the Crypt, but, well, you know, but the, 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 the movies had was, that. Ha- it was capturing sort of an 80s feel. I, 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 it's, it's funny to look 
at things that are being done now, uh, like Stranger Things, uh, like It Follows, that are capturing that 80s feel. But when you go back and look at the Tales from the Crypt television series, it it was almost retro before retro was cool because it was capturing this that that comedy horror sensibility that I feel first cropped up in the 80s. Well, the thing I don't want I don't want to diss on all modern horror by any chance. Um there there is a lot of good stuff out there, but I think a lot of it's missing the fun of the 80s. I would agree. Um you know, cuz I I'm a I'm a huge fan of Stuart Gordon, for example. Oh yeah, yeah. And um you know, and we just—I love Joe Dante as uh, horror films um, and horror-ish films, I guess. If you, depending on what where Gremlins falls, uh, uh, but, see, it's funny because uh, Gremlins can fall in both places. Because when I was a kid, Gremlins was a horror movie. That's—I more or less just class class it as such. Now, Gremlins too, on the other hand, is just yes. Weird. Yes. <laughs> it's well it's it's a comedy and it's it's Joe Dante's love letter to the Warner Brothers cartoons that he loves so much. Oh yeah. And uh but you know it, we're, we're missing that these yeah. days. I you know we everything has to be so serious. And and even a lot of the the throwback type movies like it follows I I liked it follows but it it almost felt like it was such a heightened sense of style that there was like a distancing factor from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very well-made film, don't get me wrong, uh, the giant coming through the door is one of the great horror scenes of the past few years, I think. Well, it felt like watching somebody's project. Yeah. And I loved yeah, it. That's I a good way of putting it. it, actually. But it you didn't get engaged with the characters or the story. It's just fascinating because of what it is. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I, but uh, anyways, to get back to my point, I've kind of been going in the other direction. It's funny. It's a lot of people kind of start off with, uh, you know, uh, stuff like Return of the Living Dead and things like that. And then they kind of later kind of move on to, uh, you know, uh, well, I hate to say more highbrow fare because, I mean, for goodness sake, we're, you, you know what I'm saying. But, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and also I don't want to sound uh, pompous, I guess. But, you know, uh, you know, you, a lot of people start off with things like, uh, you know, uh, a one of the Freddy Krueger sequels, for example, and then sure. then they move on to Suspiria, you know, or something like that. And in a lot of ways, I went in, the, in reverse. Um, I, was, I mean, I saw several of those movies during the eighties, like uh, you know the Nightmare series and things like that. But uh, you know, uh, I've really only recently started going back and watching those type films, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is kind of funny. But, um, but no, I've developed a taste for them and, uh, it really all depends on my mood. Really, well, I think it's, these days. it's all about sort of, you know, regardless of the, uh, I guess the intent of the filmmaker, it's all about the artistry of what's being done because yeah. even in the silliest, poppiest of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, 
you can look at the effects, you can look at what they're trying to accomplish, no matter how goofy it is, like they're taking the character of Freddy Krueger and they're making some kind of statement or other with him, even if that statement is, we want more of your money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. Which, Which for most of those movies, that is the statement. But you can look at, you know, there are hundreds of people involved in the making of all of those movies and I can sit down and appreciate the contributions you know, no matter how goofy the movie is, you can look at one specific scene or one specific uh, sequence of Freddy doing some crazy thing and appreciate what went into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with uh, your you're almost because I, I typically think of, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Halloween and, and Friday the 13th and those sort of things is almost your gateway horror, because that's yeah. that's where most people discover the horror genre, and then they later on discover Dario Argento or Lucio Fulci or, or, or whatever, uh, and move on from there. Cronenberg, and uh, yeah, I like Cronenberg. Uh, I like his horror films too. Uh, that's another into highfalutin uh, yes. category. I'd say. Yes, and you know what? I, I think Cron- <laughs> I think Cronenberg himself would would say yes. I am highfalutin. Uh, <laughs> But you know, it, it, but it depends on on where you come in and why you come in, and and yeah, I'm sure there are film school students who did see Cronenberg stuff first and then branched out from there. So it just you know it depends on how you come at it. But uh, that being the case, how with the horror track being what it is now and encompassing so much of what it is now, how do you go about deciding? what Dragon Con is going to be in a given year. Well, um, you know, Joe, Joe Crow may be flattered, but I actually used um, American uh, Sci-Fi Classics as a model this year. Uh, see, one of the things is that um, if you look over my past years, they've often been heavil- heavily literary-based. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't get me wrong. I, I like having a mixture. I've got a lot of friends in who are writers, and that's where most of my contacts come from. But at the same time, I was getting a lot of criticism that I wasn't doing a lot with uh, film, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically enough, I won't identify who, but there was one person who actually did come to me, and I mean, he, he was – honest about it he wasn't a jerk but i mean he was very honest that he didn't think that the track was doing enough for uh cinema and uh i'll let you play a guessing game but uh, he is ironically on the track this year which just kind of goes to show that yeah if your criticism is presented to me in a friendly non-insulting way i'm going to listen to you and who knows you may actually wind up on my program <laughs> oh man i'll tell you those the those are some of the most important people you can have in your life the ones that can both appreciate what you do and tell you maybe where your blind spots are yeah it's, oh, it's yeah, not it's exactly. not about being wrong it's about you having a vision and cuz i i am the worst about recognizing what other people might like or enjoy or appreciate. And I find it, I love it when people are like, Phantom, if 
you know, maybe if you do this, then it'll be, a, you'll have a little broader range or people will appreciate that you're looking at this or maybe like, I, I, those, those are important people to have around you. Well, for me though, um, it, it actually wasn't so much uh, that I didn't want to as much as it was, um, it, well, as you know, uh, the horror, tra- horror is such, I mean, it's an entire genre. It's not, some people would argue that, but I mean, it, it to me, it's the third pillar of speculative entertainment. I mean, science fiction, fantasy, horror, yeah. and it's one track to cover it all. And so, I mean, it's like, and so the thing is, is I would always rely on what resources I had, and also how to best utilize my time and resources that I had. So, as much as I would love to say do a panel on uh, Fulci's work, I really couldn't justify doing it if I didn't have uh, speakers for it. Oh, I see but what you're I would saying. Have, you know, but, yeah, but yeah, if yeah. I have, you know, if I have uh, speakers who can speak on, you know, X topic, basically, and they need programming, then I'm going to go with them because that's the resources that I that give That them. makes a whole lot of sense. And actually looking... Just looking at the schedule, you do. I mean, you have an amazing number of talented writers on your your schedule. Yeah, and and I'm hoping that this year, this year to me is is the balance that I think we're kind. You know, I'm trying to push towards uh, because I definitely want to keep a literary component due to um, d- due to my longstanding friendships and also, I mean, it is an important part of the genre that I think. Uh, often gets overlooked in our, you know, media driven um uh day and age. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, at the same time though, uh horror fandom is is a very uh film driven fandom and uh, you, I need to acknowledge that. So um even though we don't really have any uh horror like film actors this year, um you know, do did have uh have a lot of speakers who can talk on those topics and that is uh and so yes as i can finally have my fulci panel (laughs) (laughs) well and you know what that's it's it's kind of beautiful because you know with with the writers that you have uh you know they they do they can speak on film they can speak on other topics and at the same time uh uh, you know, just as just to throw an example out there, Stephen H. Seagal, who has a book called Geek Parenting: What Joffrey Jurel, Maleficent, and the McFlyers teach us about raising a family, uh, he can come on a panel and talk, and also ha- have not only his experience and his passion for the genre, but you know, put over this book. Which, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need to get this book. So you've yeah, got kind um, of a nice a, a nice tie-in type of thing there where you know maybe you know he's not necessarily speaking about literary stuff but he does have the chops to be talking about his film interest or his genre interest whatever the case may be. Yeah, he now um I, Steve, Stephen by his own admission is more um I would say more of what I consider um mainline geek culture i guess than the horror specifically but he's actually been a good friend of mine for several years um i was really glad he came back um he's 
been he's been out of action for a couple of years, but uh, but yeah, he pitched that idea to me, and I thought you know that that would be a good idea. I, it, it's interesting. It's different. It's not just another uh, talking about a specific property kind of uh, panel. So yeah, and, and, and I'm also, very excited. Uh, that, yeah, that one. Uh, j- just to, for the listeners, uh, the, I, I'm referencing one of the speakers for How Horror Fans Raise Kids, which is Saturday at 1130 a.m., uh, part of the horror track, and it's myself, uh, Stephen H. Seagal, Valia, oh my gosh, I'm going to ruin this name. Please help me out. Valia? Uh, Lupescu, I imagine, but okay, I'm not, yes, uh, I'm yes. not certain. Um, and, uh, I, I haven't. I haven't met her, so I haven't heard her name pronounced. Uh, well, she apparently out loud, so to she speak, so. Uh, co-wrote that book with uh, Stephen H. Seagal and then oh, Catherine yeah. M. Scully, and and oh, myself yeah. will be on this panel about being a horror fan and raising kids, which I'm super excited about this one because it's not it's not about what I know about some thing that I had nothing to do with. Right, <laughs> like I, I had a hand in the creation of this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I have personal experience here. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about this panel, and I, I think it's this is the kind of thing, uh, that is what makes Dragon Con so special because it's not just. Here's a panel about a movie, which granted, there's nothing wrong with that. I love panels about movies, but it's one of those things where this is practical life experience. This is, uh, diff, probably differing points of view about how things are done. Like it's the sort of thing that Dragon Con excels at. I think taking an interesting tack on a specific aspect of fandom. Yeah. And also it kind of goes back to that balance. Uh, that I was, uh, that I'm trying to go for. I, you know, trying to, trying to mix things up a little bit. So, yeah. I, but, uh, yeah, Stephen actually came to me with that idea and I thought, well, that, 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 that sounds good. Yeah. I knew, I know, I know people who can be on that. So that is a good use of my resources. So you've got, <laughs> uh, speaking of resources, you've got this, this vast pool of literary talent that you've been utilizing for years in the horror track. This year you're doing something a little bit different, mixing it up a little more. But how do you determine what is going to get the focus, how to weigh literary versus film versus maybe just fan conversations? Because uh, you've got so much to work with. I know, and, um, you know... It's it's it, it is daunting. I will I will say that right now. Um, I'm. I will say that um, one thing I do did do, and you know, it goes back to uh, me kind of looking at what classic uh, sci-fi media was doing. Is I looked at anniversaries. Well, we talked about this ourselves. I think. Yeah, um, we did. We did. And and it's sad too because it's like I keep finding things. That I probably should have had a panel on. But oh, I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, this can't turn into the anniversary track, you know. Right. So, uh, so I, what I did is, um, in general, I tried to round things off to every ten years, and also tried to stick to things that either I personally liked, 
or that were important. I mean, that's actually one of the reasons why we had that uh, uh, screen panel. Uh, this was actually recommended to me by the uh, Horror News Radio uh, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Horror News Radio podcast. Um, you know, they actually asked me if I was doing a screen panel because it's the 20th year anniversary. And I was like, well, it, I, I love the first movie, by the way. It's actually one of my favorite slasher films. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was like, well, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. But, you know, what? That That's actually important. I mean, whether you like the movies it spawned or not is irrelevant. I mean, it, that was a major thing for horror. Uh, you know, it pretty much brought uh, mainstream horror back, I would say. I agree 100%. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that's one of those that kind of had to be done, I thought. Uh, then we have the uh, Blind Dead panel, which was uh, – and, oh, and uh, he's going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, they mentioned my name on Needless Things. <laughs> Mr. Jerry Chandler. Jerry Chandler, we love you, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, even before I was creating programming, he was like, are you doing a Blind Dead panel? <laughs> it's the 45th anniversary of the first movie. I was like, well, I don't know. It it all depends on if I have speakers who can talk on it. And then, uh, um, you know, Bill Mulligan got uh, booked. And <laughs> so we were like, hey, this is a possibility. So, yeah. yes, there is now a Blind Dead panel. So, uh, something I never thought I would ever be able to justify is there so well let me there. real real quick i want to talk about because i i am i'm supposed to be on the blind dead panel oh you've been removed even though what's that no you're you're not on it anymore I, i'm looking at the schedule right now so. i'm uh well i'm trying to figure out my timing if Ooh. i show up for that panel can i still talk uh yeah, I, I, it should be uh I mean uh, it ten to eleven. I mean because I you, I didn't I didn't want to say I would be there and not be able to show up because I I right. have I have to be part like the puppet slam is a tradition. Oh dude dude I got to tell you about this weird dream that I had last night. Please do. Okay, I I, <laughs> I had this dream that I actually went to the puppet slam. Which is highly unlikely, considering you're the director of the horror track. Exactly, but I think it was brought on because of this. Well, there was something involving, uh, actually as a joke I was going to play on, Mr. Chandler. Oh, yes, yes. It kind of fell apart because I forgot that I actually talked about it on Horror News Radio. Oh, okay. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, the point is, is uh, th- so that's kind of fresh on my mind. I think that's where it came from. But I dreamed that I went to this to the puppet slam, and all it this obviously this is not what it is. Disclaimer. <laughs> but in my dream, I it was like they just <laughs> pulled up a YouTube video from last year and showed that on a big screen, and, <laughs> and I was like, this is what. This is what PT wanted. <laughs> this is what he's missing it for? Really? <laughs> it's like, oh, it, it's like uh, okay, and I, yeah, I'm not real sure where that came from. <laughs> and I hope, I hope your listeners enjoyed that little detour into just flat-out strangeness. This is, this is what happens to the mind of the poor, poor 
track directors at Dragon Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I will sometimes have dreams, uh, not, not this year, weirdly enough, but where I'll show up at Dragon Con and I won't have anything prepared. Oh, man, I'm sure. I'm it's, sure. It, it's like those old dreams about tests. You right, know? It's right. Like, whoops. Yeah. I, oh, I don't doubt it one bit. Because just, just in talking to, to Joe and Gary and Bo and, and you guys over the years, like, I can't imagine the... I don't know that stress is the right word. I mean, I'm sure there's some stress involved, but you do, I mean, you have an obligation to provide quality programming and that's got to get under your skin to a certain extent. So I'm sure you guys have all kinds of, of wacky night sweats going on in the weeks leading up to Dragon Con. Well, actually for me, a lot of it ends around the time the final deadline is done because by that point it's just like done. It's uh, right, right. It's in, it's in the program. <laughs> You're good to go. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I um, delegate a lot. So, so the blind dead panel, very excited about Jerry. Was, I, matter of fact, Jerry was mentioning it to me several months ago as though I have any kind of dragon con pull whatsoever. He's like, you know, it'd be really cool if there's a blind dead panel. And I'm like, I agree with you, but why are you? talking to me <laughs> uh, yeah. but i i very much I, i'm gonna do everything i can to be on it but like i said i don't want to be i don't want to say i'll be there because yeah yeah it, it, it'll be a special guest appearance uh, if, yes uh, yes but i first you know like most of the the great horror movie loves of my life uh i found the first blind dead movie uh tombs of the blind dead in blockbuster randomly hunting through the the stacks of vhs movies looking for cool covers and you see the decrepit you know skeleton guys with their rotten robes on oh here we go i haven't seen this one let's check it out and uh purely by coincidence ended up renting one of the sequels and i was like wait a minute that's the same director that did the other one those are the same weird templar rotting guys and just you know it's that's how it works man you find a thing and you discover there's more of it and now uh 20 years later however long it's been since i first discovered those movies uh i freaking love them yeah i'll I'll be honest with you um i don't really think they they hold together as movies uh successfully um probably gonna get some people with pitchforks or no something. no i get what you're saying but, it, but the the imagery yes. th- that i mean that that's what carries the day and th- that's why i love those movies they, because that is such a great visual i think they work better as a, a concept and as a mythology than they do as actual movies yeah because see, they're not they're not pop horror. They're not a thing that you can just throw in whenever and just be like, oh, this is fun. Look at this. But they are their own thing, their own weird little sub-sub-genre, and they're cool for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, wildly influential. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. I think the uh, Ring Grace were actually kind of, uh, well, as far as the, the cinematic depiction of the Ring Grace. Uh, one thing I read somewhere where those were actually uh, inspired by the Blind Dead, as far as the way they were uh, filmed and moved and things like that. So, oh yeah, absolutely. I I think there are tons of sort of skeletal specter type 
creatures that e- even going up to like the frighteners, uh, Jake Busey. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of characters that, that have that aspect to them, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit now about the actual programming, the actual schedule of the horror track this year. We've mentioned a, a couple of things. We've got the shining panel, which is 7 PM on Friday, uh, how horror fans raise kids, which is 1130 on Saturday. Naturally I'm spotlighting the stuff I'm going to be there for, well, yeah, but let's, let's talk about, me. let's talk about some of the other stuff you've got going on. What are, what are some of their highlights of the track this year? Well, you know, um, actually, uh, we've got a couple of actors from, uh, Fox's sleepy hollow coming, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Myson, uh, the, who plays Ichabod. I, I don't know if you watch Sleepy Hollow or not. Yes, but, yes, uh, uh, absolutely. The first, uh, the first two seasons, we were avid viewers, and uh, we're we're kind of needing to catch up, which is the same thing that happened to us with Supernatural and and lots of other shows, actually. Well, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. Uh, it, if you miss a week or two of something, it's yes. like it throws off the rhythm. Yes. yes. Um. Now. Uh, Yesterday they announced uh, uh, Janita Janina Gavankar Gavankar I, I may not be pronouncing that right either either pronunciation I just gave but um, she was announced yesterday she's actually going to be on uh, the coming season of Sleepy Hollow yes. so uh, we've got a couple of actors from that um, also we have a panel with uh, Jillian Anderson talking about Hannibal uh, so that should be cool um, which what a what a turn for her on that show. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, what's sort of funny is, you know, uh, uh, Dana Scully was uh, allegedly based on uh, Clary Starling uh, in uh, Silence of the Lamb, so it's almost kind of weird. It's almost like the circle was complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, but, well, and it's uh, funny because she was she was so different and so good in Hannibal that when X Files came back, it was almost hard to see dana scully again yeah i can see that um but uh yeah th- th- so th- those those are really our big i guess media uh personalities this year uh I, and, and actually i'm i'm glad that we have some uh stuff for tv because i've noticed that um as I've told a lot of people, uh, DragonCon has thousands of attendees, uh, but that doesn't mean there are thousands of uh, dedicated horror fans, mm-hmm. I've noticed. Uh, and even the horror fans who come tend to like the stuff that has more of a crossover with what I call uh, general geek culture. Sure, sure. And I've noticed that uh, the TV series uh, seem to be... Uh, seem to be that in a lot of ways uh those are the things that uh somebody who like kind of is really into like say the marvel films or or doctor who or star wars they seem to be uh the tv show seems to have more crossover with that audience than say um well, tombs of the blind dead right. <laughs> but, yeah, sure sure uh you know uh, so but I'm glad to get some of that programming in this year. Um, but uh, well, and that's what it's all about. I think is finding, you know, somebody checks out the horror. They say, "Oh, there's there's a panel with Jillian Anderson on the horror track. What else is happening on the horror track? What Tombs of the Blind Dead? Why does that sound familiar? Oh my gosh, I remember that movie. And maybe they come and check that 
you know, that, that out. And they see one of the speakers on that panel is doing something else. And they like, it's kind of about drawing people in, I think. Oh yeah. And, and finding, like you said, that crossover, that where do these things meet and how can we maybe expand fans interest beyond the thing that they initially were checking us out for. Which oh, is yeah. why, which is why I like the concept of writers and artists and, and whoever else speaking on panels because, you know, the shining panel to, to go back to the one that I'm obviously a little most familiar with. Uh, everybody speaking on the shining panel is going to get fans in there who love the shining and who aren't necessarily familiar with the speakers. And it gives them an opportunity to say, Hey, there's this other thing that I do. Or I'll be speaking on these other panels this weekend, and oh well, that's cool. I'll check that out too. Like it's, and that's what Dragon Con is all about: is that sort of fan networking and, and cross culture. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and that's actually I, I do try to uh, try to promote that when I can, um, because yeah, if somebody. It, Okay, uh, I like I do I like putting writers on panels where they're not necessarily talking about their books. Sure. Because that way somebody might see somebody and go, "Hey, that person has a great personality. Hey, they're a writer. I'll check their book out." That uh, that does a lot more for me than somebody just pushing their book at me and going, "In my book, vampires don't sparkle" or something. <laughs> right, you know, right, right, I, right. Yeah, uh, but you know, to me, it's all about uh, exposing somebody to a personality, and uh, you know, if it's a personality you you find agreeable, then chances are pretty good you'll probably like their creative work as well. So, well, and that's why the Dragon Con app, which for the li- I've been pushing this thing, but for the listeners, uh, there is an app you can get for your mobile phone for Dragon Con. Uh, that has the schedule in it, so you can check out the whole schedule for the horror track. You can mark down the panels that you want to see, and like we're talking about now, the speakers for the panels, you can see what else they're doing. So if you see right. somebody you like, you can check out, oh, well, they're, they're also talking on this one. I'm going to check that out as well. It's, it's a really good resource for expanding your Dragon Con experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, in fact, it's uh, this may be the first year that I actually don't uh, try to put together a schedule online for people to view because it's like you know it's on the app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to print something off and uh, highlight it anymore. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> which, which I, as as old school as I am about certain things. Uh, I will say that this app is far superior to printing out the PDF and getting out your highlighter. Yeah. Those <laughs> right. were the days. I am going to put you on the spot now. Okay. And I'm going to say Ultimate Fantasy Booking Dragon Con, if you could create any panel with any guest just by writing it down and it would happen, what would be kind of your dream panel to make happen for the horror track? You know, I'm, I'm really bad at, uh, I'm very indecisive about these things. (laughs) Um, you know, 
I mean, I, w- I would like to meet Guillermo del Toro. I mean, th- there you go. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, talk, I, talk I get the dark feeling. fantasy, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, see, exactly. It goes back to, to me, dark fantasy is a flavor of horror, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not an apology for it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would like to meet him. Um, I would like to meet Tim Burton, even though, I, I mean, I, I have this love-hate relationship with the man over I, the past I think, few years. I think we all do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, a Sleepy Hollow is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um so it, it, things he put out in the 80s and 90s, I love that stuff. Yeah, it, God, I, I, it's kind of hard for me to say. I mean, are we talking about people who are still who are alive, or are we talking about anybody? Oh, wow. Period. Let's stick. Let's stick to the living, just for okay. ease of decision making. Okay, because I, I'll 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 uh, I won't uh, mention the uh, um, um, Boris Karloff, uh, sure. Peter oh, Cushing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rory Kinnear from Penny Dreadful uh, talking about uh, uh, a cine- a cinematic depictions of the Frankenstein mythos. Um, <laughs> that, that would be an awesome panel. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, um, oh, yeah, I haven't mentioned it. Total Frankenstein fan. The, the Frankenstein's monster is my favorite uh, literary anything, I think. But Oh, uh, interesting point then. So. Saying Frankenstein's monster, and this is something that I'm still trying to reconcile, because obviously popular reference, uh, Frankenstein's monster is usually just referred to as Frankenstein. Right. And for years I have been one of the sticklers who has said, no, no, that's Frankenstein's monster. But now I'm really getting to the point where so many different things have just started referring to him as Frankenstein. The the cultural zeitgeist is that he's just Frankenstein. Where do you stand on that? Well, I, I look at it that sons take the names of their fathers. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the way I've always looked at it. Uh, it, it that, I mean, I use Frankenstein shorthand for the monster. Everybody does. Sure, sure. Uh, and honestly, to I've never been one of those people who has gotten kind of uppity about it i guess right uh, because it's like i mean if that's real it's funny i saw a t-shirt it was real demanding it's frankenstein is the doctor not the monster exclamation point right. i'm like you know if you're gonna wear that you don't have anything real to worry about <laughs> right there are other bigger things to worry about than the yeah. nomenclature for this zombie man <laughs> yeah i'm like eh. But but yeah, that's that's how I look at it. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to cut my tongue and tell somebody they're wrong unless right. they get in a fight about it. And go, hey, you know, it's the internet; it'll happen. But the thing is, is uh, you know, realistically, I know, I know that's what most people are going to say, uh, call it, and and yeah, like I said, not to sound like a broken record, but sons take the names of their fathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I in the end, you can. Uh, you, that's how I look at it. And, um, you know, uh, I, it, for myself, I say Frankenstein's monster, but I'm not going to, you're not going to be a stickler about it. Uh, you right, know, somebody, right. you know, uh, you know, I've got more important 
things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that that is, I think as we get older, that yes. argument becomes more and more valid. You know, I've got bigger things to worry about than, than that. Yeah, really. <laughs> Yeah, is it, is it solving uh, hunger? No. Okay. Well, you know, it, it, just roll with it. <laughs> so, unless, so you're, unless you're in an English class or something, just you know, just roll with it. So, if we were if we were booking Derek's sort of big fantasy panel, we could count on either Guillermo del Toro or Tim Burton, or perhaps both of them debating the merits of dark, the merits and definition of dark fantasy. Yeah, that that would be the the title of the panel would be called "What the Hell is Dark Fantasy," <laughs> featuring Tim Burton and Guillermo del Toro. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah that that would that would be a Derek that would be a Derek stunt right there. He had these massive talents and then just stick them on some just... panel about some random weird thing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I would you spend totally an go. hour on this. <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you right now. I bet both of them would rather be on that panel. Than just like a Hellboy panel or a Beetlejuice panel, yeah, yeah. Because that, they're that, probably sick to death about of talking about their own stuff. I bet they would love to engage in an actual conversation about something like that. Well, you know that that's actually one of the things I've learned about dealing with, and I've actually been dealing with. Uh, I guess you could say "quote unquote" famous people. Uh, some of them would laugh that I'm calling them famous, but the point. I guess public personalities or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the things I've learned is that find something you like that's not their work, right? Um, and uh, talk about that. I mean, that's funny because uh, I wind up talking about music with a lot of the writers I know, and I wind up talking about books with a lot of the musicians I know. So <laughs> go figure. It well, and that's how it, the one, one of. Uh, one of my sort of biggest meets, uh, my favorite band in the world's Faith No More. Oh, cool. Years ago, uh, I, when I was working at the Masquerade in Atlanta, I worked stage for their show. And afterwards, I was able to talk to Mike Patton, uh, who is one of my heroes. And we didn't talk about music. We didn't talk about Faith No More. We talked about food for like yeah. 15 minutes. So I, I, one of my freaking heroes we just talked about food, about seafood. Because I grew up on the coast, yeah, and that's you know they don't want to talk about their stuff. They want to talk about other stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, it has been fun talking about your stuff tonight. Where can we find information about the horror track online? Uh, can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, I know the horror track has an offshoot from the DragonCon.org uh, page. Where can we find you online? Well, now I, there is the uh, horror dot uh, dragoncon dot org page, but to be honest, um, if you want to have up to the minute, uh, well, if I guess you, uh, I guess uh, current news, uh, definitely check the app, which yes. uh, currently has the schedule. And as you always say, it's tentative until it happens, and maybe not even then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, I have a, uh, a Twitter account at uh, just DragonCon Horror, and also uh, the uh, Facebook group. Which, if you just type DragonCon Horror, uh, that should you, that sh that should lead you to the uh, group uh, page. You'll find it easily. So, 
And that's another that's, one uh, where kind of year round everybody sort of gathers to talk about horror happenings. It's not just a hey, Dragon Con's coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think Joe Crow can probably uh, sue me at this point. <laughs> yeah, I've I've I've, I've uh, taken so many pages from his uh, playbook, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, those are the those are the best places to uh, locate me. So. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about the horror track, talking about Dragon Con, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in just a couple of days, man. Uh, yeah, I know. I, uh, when when people hear this, it it literally will be a couple of days. And I, I, as my friend Clay Gilbert pointedly said, Dragon Con, it's either next year or next week. <laughs> That's brilliant. And it's true. It absolutely is. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, no, uh, thank you for having me on and let me uh, babble on. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got time for. I've got to get back to work. Like I said, if you see Phantom Troublemaker at Dragon Con, ask me about t-shirts. Ask me about buttons and pins from Garbage Humans. Big Papa Phantom is your hookup. Holla if you see me. Seriously. Uh, that's, that's it. What more can I say? Awesome panels are lined up. Awesome things that I'm not even part of are happening that we didn't even have time to mention across four, I think, episodes of the Needless Things podcast. And after Dragon Con is over, we're going to have recordings of all of those panels up as episodes of the podcast so if you're there you can relive them and uh, the stuff that you missed because you were too drunk to understand you'll be able to listen to on your car ride into work if you weren't able to go to Dragon Con or you wonder what the heck Phantom Troublemaker does when he's at one of these things you'll be able to hear it now that doesn't include the game show because the audio of the game show would not do it justice and I would never post that but uh, the, the Shining panel, the Toy panel, uh, the G.I. Joe panel, all of that stuff will be recorded and will be posted as episodes of the Needless Things podcast, in addition to anything that Beth may end up with interview-wise. Uh, and then, of course, Beth, Jerry, Christina, myself will all have write-ups of Dragon Con going up in the weeks following Con, uh, which will take up a good portion of September. And then in October... Please tune in for the 2016 installment of 31 Days of Halloween, where I have already got guests lined up, I've already got topics lined up, and we've got some good spooky stuff for you. I'm, I am, I'm revitalized about Halloween this year, uh, but let's take it one step at a time and make sure Dragon Con doesn't suck all the vitality out of me with its excitement and awesomeness. I will see you guys tomorrow at Dragon Con. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.